Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of the crisis, the crossroad, and the cross. And now, here's today's episode. You've got a phone call. If you're on the calling post, you got a phone call, me asking you to come to church. Thank you for coming. I'm glad to see you. Summer's over. I'm glad to see people back in church. Um, I don't. I, I don't think I've ever done that. And so I appreciate you coming uh, when I called. So I've gotten lots of, and we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks that I need everybody here. And um, so I've gotten some strange looks and some interesting questions, and and some and some uh, looks of concern. So let me let me tell you, I am not resigning this morning. I don't know if that disappoints you or excites you, but either way, we just get that. Out. <laughs> Get that out of this. Most frequently asked question. No, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but there's something there's something that I need to share with you, and it's, it's consider this a family meeting. Okay, everybody's here now. You're like, oh goodness, I showed up at a family meeting and I'm a guest. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. No, nothing. There's nothing. Uh, no secrets here. Uh, if you're if you're looking for praying for a church home, then you'll be glad that you were here for this because you're gonna you're gonna kind of. Um, hear the good, the bad, and the ugly this morning. Okay, we don't really believe in secrets. Uh, we we when we say we, we believe in being real, we believe we uh, not only believe it, we practice it. So that's what we're about to do. Uh, one other disclaimer: those of you who have attended church here for very long know that I use lots of scripture in in messages. This morning, there's still lots of scripture in the message. We are not going to take the time to read them on the screens. We've got a lot that we need to talk about. You'll understand when, when I get in. If you need the scripture references, I'll be happy to provide those for you. Let me know after service, and I'll text you or email. Okay? Is that a deal? Everybody okay now? Y'all breathing? Everything's good? All right. Let's pray, and we're going to dive in. Lord, we just I thank you for this church. I thank you for the, uh, for the opportunity that we have to bless this lady and, and her family. And God, we just pray that we get her, get her fixed up right. And God, that she just be so blessed and blown away by the good deeds that she sees us do, that she, that she will glorify you. And that she, if she doesn't know you, that she'll come to know you, and that she'll serve you all of her days, that her children, that, that this curse over them will be broken and that our children will see better days in their future than they've seen in their childhood. And God, we just pray your blessing over it. Lord, in our time together now, I pray that you would open our hearts. Help us to hear your word. Lord, we talked about it last week. Open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, open our spiritual ears. And I pray that you would help us to, to, to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are facing a crisis as a church, and that's why I've called everybody here. We're facing a crisis. It's not a financial crisis. Over the last seven years that I've been the pastor here, I've been here for 22 years, uh, our giving has either grown in the last seven years or remained stable. You are a, you're a bunch of wonderful, faithful givers, and that is such a blessing. 
All right, so our bills are being paid. I start to say our bills are paid, but they're really never paid because they never stop coming. So anyway, they're being paid. We're, we're, we're meeting our payroll and, and we're improving the facility every year as much as we can. So our crisis is not financial. It's also not a crisis of leadership. We have a wonderful staff of full-time and part-time and volunteer leaders and they are passionate and committed and faithful and, and we don't have a lot of turnover and that's, that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. So that's not our crisis either. It's not a crisis of strife and conflict because you are a very mature congregation and you know how to work through your difficulties uh, and your disagreements in a biblical way without killing each other or calling the law. So thank you. Y'all are, y'all are, you don't get worked up about every little thing and that is so rare because I got pastor friends, believe me, that is so rare and so wonderful. And yet I find myself with this urgency in my spirit over the last few months. And I can't help but believe that we are in a crisis. It's taken me a while to sort through it. It's taken me a while to figure it out. I've spent a lot of time in prayer. I've spent a lot of time in conversations with people that I trust and people that I need to hear from. I've been trying to put my finger on it because I am simultaneously as excited as I have ever been. uh, And as concerned as I have ever been about the future of our church. So our crisis is a crisis of opportunity. It's a crisis of opportunity. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to explain what that means. But what we're going to do is we're going to start off by making sure we understand what we're here for why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing. Then we're going we're gonna to spend some time hearing about, talking about the opportunities that God's placed in front of us. And then I'll tell you why I believe we're in a crisis. And then after that, we'll lay out the options and, and, and I'll explain why I think there's a way forward that we, should all, uh, that we should all follow. And then we'll get a time to respond, whatever time that takes, okay? So first of all, that's the plan. First of all, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about mission and vision. The mission of this and every Bible-believing church is to go and make disciples, right? You've heard that before. Go and make disciples. That's the what of what we're supposed to do, and it comes straight out of Matthew 28 and Mark 16. The, the vision, then, to accomplish the mission is the how and the why and the who. And, and, and here's the vision, that covenant life will be real, relational, and reaching, so that we can, so that everybody can grow in the faith, um, know Jesus, grow in their faith, and go boldly into their mission field, because we all have one. So that's the goal. That's the vision. That, that's, that's what we have to be about. Everything that we do has to be about making that a reality in this church and in this community. We also have nine core values. They're on the wall out there. We've got them printed material. We've got them on the website. We, we've got nine core values that help to keep us on track and help to define who we are and, and, and what makes us unique. Now, now here are some of the opportunities that, uh, that we want to talk about today. We have a steady stream of first-time guests to our church. It seems like every week there are two or three or four families who are coming for the first time. And that is a tremendous blessing. It's a great blessing. Many, many churches can't say that. Many churches would do anything just to get a new family to come into their church. And we, we have those, and that's, that's a blessing of the highest order, an opportunity of the highest order. Why? Because you can't make disciples without people. 
right? So you have to have people. And it's imperative that we continue to bring new people into the body so that we can fulfill the mission that God's given us. All right, so that's a great opportunity. And second opportunity is that we have wonderful partnerships, both locally and globally, with a variety of organizations that, uh, that help us help people, give us the opportunity to help people in their time of need. It's an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If the goal is to make disciples, we can't make disciples if we are not disciples. And it's part of the disciple-making process. You are never more like Christ than when you're giving to people unselfishly. So that's part of the disciple-making process as well. It's a great opportunity. Another opportunity I want to talk about is that we have the chance to introduce people to the presence and the power of God. Every week we have that opportunity. In an American church culture that's gotten more and more vanilla, more and more bland, more and more towards the middle road so that nobody's offended, which is almost impossible anymore, and nobody, nobody gets upset, I believe it's our call, I believe it's our opportunity to be different. The flavor of this church has to be different. This church has to have the aroma of true worship. We have to have the salt of the Word of God. We, we have to have uh, the, the different sweet and spicy flavors of the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit as He operates within us and among us. Here's another opportunity. We have a children's ministry and a student ministry that has become known as a place where anybody of any ability or any station in life is welcome. And it's based not on events. It's not based on hype. It, every week we don't send out a tweet talking about how this is going to be the most epic thing ever. Because it rarely is. Right? No matter what you say. It's built on relationships. Relationships, an authentic relationship with God. Uh, relationships with each other. Relationships with godly adults who care about you and are trying to guide our students and our children in the way that they should go. And it's an opportunity for us to connect them with a church that they can stay with as they grow. So it's not so hyper-focused on our student ministry or our children's ministry that when they graduate they don't know what to do. We're connecting them with a church that they can stay with as they transition out of school into whatever's next and beyond for them. And it's, a, it's an incredible opportunity. Here's another one. There's only two more. One, we, we have people who are either involved in or connected to every major aspect of our community, every arena, government, education, business, industry, entertainment, healthcare, media, all of those. And everywhere there is, a, there is a believer involved or connected, it's a kingdom opportunity. It's a kingdom opportunity if we can see it and we can take, it, take advantage of it. Now here's the last opportunity that, that and we got, there's, there's bunches, but this is the last one I want to talk about today. In case you didn't know, and there's a lot of people who have, who have been here forever like me, or there's people that are just kind of coming in and figuring things out. So in case you did not know, this big ugly monstrosity of a building complex that's beside us is ours. It belongs to us. We bought it eight years ago. Basically we bought it, it was buy a parking lot, get a building free. That's what we did. We needed the parking. They threw the building in. 
All right. Uh, and because of the size of the buildings and because that there is asbestos and lead-based paint um, present in the buildings, it's a, it's a daunting undertaking. And I have referred to it in all kinds of derogatory ways, including just a few seconds ago, calling it uh, a monstrosity. Um, I am not going to allow myself to do that anymore because that, those buildings, that property is not our obstacle, it's our opportunity. It's our opportunity. Let me, let me explain it to you. There, there's tens of thousands of square feet of space in, that, in those buildings out there. there. That's enough space that we can create a brand new kids ministry space that is physically connected to our building so you don't have to walk your kids across the parking lot and leave them with strangers. Man, it sounds really creepy when you say that. Um, so we better, get, we better get on that. Anyway, we got space over there to be able to do that. It, it's enough space that we can have a fellowship hall that the whole church can gather in so we don't have to move chairs anymore. I thought Jericho March would start for, for that. So th- there's, there's enough property here that we can create a space that the whole community can enjoy and, 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 and appreciate. And the dream, the vision, is to be able to house and care for women and their children who've been rescued from sex trafficking so that they can be safely healed and rehabilitated together and, and reintroduced back into society. So that's, that's the plan. That's what we really believe God's placed in our hearts to do. And those of you connected to government, don't tell anybody that because we're not ready to unveil that yet. But it, it, there might be, there's lots of hoops to jump through. There, there's lots of obstacles to face and overcome. And God may pivot the plans as we go. And we're open to that. That's all good. But man, can't you see it? I mean, can't, can't you see that opportunity? Wouldn't it be great to be able to help women who have been pimped and porned and prostituted, women who, who have had their children used as leverage to keep them in slavery? Wouldn't it be an incredible blessing to see these families restored, shattered lives put back together? It's not an obstacle. It's, a, it's, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. But we have this crisis. We have this crisis. A crisis is a time when a difficult or important decision has to be made. That's the definition of a crisis. A decision means you have to go one way or the other, right? It's, it's physically impossible, according to the laws of nature, to go in two different directions at one time. When you face a crisis, you have to make a decision. So let me put it to you this way. Every crisis brings you to a crossroad. Every crisis brings you to a crossroad. A fork in the road. If you want to get poetic, you can flash back to Robert Frost. It's a place where two roads diverge. We have to make a decision about the kind of church we're going to be. We, you say, well, John, why, why do we have to make a decision? And why do we have to make it now? I mean, like, what's the big deal? Who lit a fire under your behind? What's, what's the deal? Because the door to some of the opportunities that we're facing right now, that we have right now, will begin to close if we don't make a decision. You see, we believe that we serve a Jesus, and we, we say it in Revelation, that he's a, he's a God that opens doors and no man can close, right? But the door swings the other way. 
He's also a God that closes doors that no man can open. And, if, and he will provide the provision when we move on the vision that he's placed in our lives. But if we don't move on it, then the provision goes away, the opportunity's gone, and he has to bring about his will in the world through some other means. And so it's imperative that we, that we make a decision and that we make it now. We have to decide which road we're going to take. And didn't Jesus say the same thing? Didn't he say as much? Didn't he say there'd be two paths? Didn't he say there'd be two roads to choose from? One that's straight and narrow and difficult, and one that's wide and smooth and well-worn. One that seems right and one that is right. One that's paved with sacrifice and one that's paved with selfishness. See, we're at a crossroad today. We have to choose which road we're going to take. And the decision has to be based on the destination, not on how easy the road is. See, you can be on a highway that leads you to nowhere, or at least nowhere you're supposed to be. We should take the road that leads us to where we ought to be, not the road that has the best pavement and the best scenery. As a church, we have to choose the road that leads us to accomplishing the mission of going and making disciples. You see, there is a road that leads us to the place that we can say, we have finished our course, we have run our race, and we have kept the faith. There is a road that leads us to where Jesus will look at us one day face to face and say, well done, good and faithful servants. There is a road that leads to the fulfilling of the Great Commission. There is a road that leads us to bear much fruit for the kingdom. There is a road that leads us into the, the fields that are white for harvest. There is a road that puts us in the position to take advantage of the opportunities that God has placed in front of us. But that road's not easy. That road requires us to love deeply. That road demands that we give generously. That road expects us to serve selflessly. That road forces us to reprioritize our lives with kingdom in mind. There's no pretty scenery on that road, depending on what you consider pretty scenery. Because on that road, it shows us the, the broken and the hurting. It shows us the lost and the wounded. It's a road that forces us to think differently and act differently than the people on the other road because there is another road. This is a crisis. We're at a crossroad. It forces us to make another decision. See, I'm, I'm equally scared about the decision that we make because the other road is so much easier. It's so much easier. The other road is so much smoother. See, we can have good church on that road. We can, we can enjoy each other and our families and the friendships that we've developed over the years. We can cruise in and out on Sundays and Wednesdays. We can get some good word. We can enjoy the presence of the Lord together. We can have a good reputation among people of the town. And I'm terrified because that kind of church can be funded for generations. We can pass that kind of church along to our kids and our grandkids. We can build buildings that are monuments to our own self-interests. 
And we can preserve, uh, we can preserve what we have as museums of the good old days without ever giving a passing thought to the ministry right now that we've been called to. And we'll be in good company as we join thousands of other churches across the nation who are also on that road. But where does the road take us? Where will we end up? What will we hear from the throne of God? What are we going to say when he asks us about the opportunities that he placed in front of us? What are we going to say when he asks us about the hurting people in our community, about the lost and the broken and the disenfranchised, about the people who didn't have the connections to get themselves out of trouble, about the people who don't have the safety net of family or reputation when they need help? What do we say to the widows and the orphans that he told us to take care of? So it's clear to me that we're at a crisis point where we have to make a decision, a crossroad that's either going to take us to the powerful destiny that God has for our church or to the mediocre existence that makes no impact on the community in which we exist. And I am convinced that you love God enough and that you are mature enough and that you love the Word enough that you see the choice as clearly as I do. And this is the way I want to put it to you this morning. When facing a crossroad, we must choose the cross road. We must choose the cross road. The road that leads people to the cross of Jesus Christ. The road that calls us where we answer the call to take up our crosses and follow Him. It's the road of real discipleship. It's the road that will allow us to take advantage of the opportunities that God has placed in front of us. That's the road we have to take. People are dying and slipping out into eternity without knowing God. They're dying and going to hell. People are living with no hope. Believers are living and dying without ever serving the kingdom purpose for which they were created. We're at a crossroads, and we, we have to choose the crossroad, and we have to do it today. We have to do it today. So here's the call. Here's the call. Are you willing to do it? That's the question that you need to wrestle with today. And before you, before you say an emotional or a knee-jerk reaction to the question, are you willing to count the cost? Because Jesus said, we read it last week, Jesus said, you can't be my follower if you're not willing to count the cost. Because the cost is you lay down your life. So before you say yes to the crossroad, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to lay down your life in this world so that you and other people can find it in the next world? You say, well, John, sure, I can give a little more. Listen, a little more is not going to do it. A little more is not going to do it. He's not calling us to give a little more. He's calling us to give everything. He's calling us to go all in. He's calling us to live and move and have our being and our identity in Jesus and his kingdom. That's the call. And anything less than that, and we're on the other road. 
See, what we need is a Romans 12 kind of transformation. A Romans 12 transformation to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I still believe you are the greatest congregation of people that any pastor in the world gets to pastor. I honestly believe that. I tell people that. You are kind. You receive the word. You're not gripers and complainers. You're wonderful. What needs to change is simply a mindset. It's a mindset. It's, it, it, we, we have to be intentionally focused on the kingdom. This intentionality is what, we're, is what we're missing. We have to see everything through a lens, through the lens of the kingdom. Here's what I mean. We're going to talk about some very specific things that we're facing and some very specific steps that we can take. All right? When you come to church, don't think about it in terms of what you can get. The American church has, has developed such a consumer mentality. I remember when I, was, when I was leading worship, there was a song that was really popular, I mean like really cool, and it was, it was about, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to get my blessing. That's backwards. That's backwards when you compare it to the gospel. What is, we, we need people who have been transformed by the Word. We have to be transformed by the Word. And what does the Word say? The Word says you get what you need when you give what you have. You get what you need when you give what you have. It's Matthew 6, 33. It's just a different way to say it. That you seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things get added to you. You seek first to give what you have and then God will give you what you need. So when you come into the sanctuary, start looking for people that you don't know. Make them welcome. Shake their hands. Make sure they know where everything is. Y'all remember when you were, when you, you've gone to new places before, right? You go to places you're not familiar with. You need to know where some stuff is, right? So introduce yourself to people. Make sure they know where the bathroom is. That becomes a crisis all by itself, right? <laughs> Make sure they know where the restrooms are. Make, if they've got children, make sure they know where the kids' ministry is, where the, where the nursery is. And don't wait till that baby starts crying to tell them where the nursery is. Like, tell them up front, right? Make sure they know where the cafe is. If they don't, show them personally. Like, get up and walk with them and show them where it is. Don't pull a Home Depot. No offense if you wear the orange apron. Right? But don't say, oh, yeah, I sat on aisle 52, about halfway down, three and a half feet up on the right. What? It's where? Walk with them and show it to them. Do you see the difference? There's, an, there's a huge difference. You say, well, John, that ain't my job. It's everybody's job. Isn't this your church? It's everybody's job. See, people don't judge the friendliness or the welcomeness, the openness of a church based on the greeters or the pastor. They judge it on the congregation. And, and that's become a challenge for us recently. Now, I've been told by multiple families that, and they've just flat said, John, this is kind of a hard church to connect with. And initially you want to just be defensive and you just want to go, well, psh, you ain't trying hard. You know, if you want to be, have friends, you've got to be friendly. But when you hear it from so many different sources and from so many different kinds of people, you have to start looking at yourself and not just blaming everybody else. So, and I've watched it with my own eyes as I've become aware of it. 
new people come into a fellowship uh, event or into a service or into a group and nobody speaks to them besides me. And so we've had some people who have left the church about it because of it, because they didn't connect. We've had others who have pushed through and said, I, I just believe this is where God's got us. And we're just going to push through and figure it out and hope it changes. And we've had some people that had really positive experiences and have come and connected immediately and everything's great. And that's how I know it's not because we're just mean and nasty people. It's just that we haven't been intentional. We, we haven't come in with a kingdom mindset. We haven't been consistent about making people feel welcome. You're like, John, what, what's the big deal about making them welcome? Because you can't make disciples of people who don't stay. So we're real and we're reaching. We're just not as relational as we need to be. But, but, but people are not going to, going to endure a church that doesn't welcome them and weave them into the fabric of the church. So here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. And I'm asking everybody to do this. Now, get one, one sentence is a, is a football analogy, okay? So don't glaze over. We're not, going, we're not going all in, okay? In football, they have what's called a two-minute drill. You don't even need to know what that means. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take two minutes before church starts and after church to see if there's anybody around you Anybody in the sanctuary or in the fellowship space that we're in or the group that we're in, see if there's anybody that you haven't spoken to or that you don't know. Two minutes. If there is, go speak to them. If there's not, if they've already left or, or whatever, that's cool. Go on and speak to the friends and the family members that, that we all enjoy talking to at church. But if there are people that you haven't spoken to or who, who, you, who don't know, you don't know, then slow down long enough to go and actually connect with them, like in a real way. Y'all ever been greeted by people at church and it's just creepy? It's just weird? You're like, you're, you're trying too hard. You need to stop. Like, take that down about three notches. Have a real conversation with people. Look them in the eye. Ask them their name. Try to remember their name so that you don't have to spend the next three years calling them sister or brother. Okay? Make a real connection with them. If, if you'll do what you can, if you'll do what you can, you'll get what you need. It's the cross road. It's the cross road. So let's do the two-minute drill. Here's a second thing. Let's look for ways to serve. As of today, when you join one of our ministries, you're joining what we're going to call a go team. A go team. Whether they serve inside or outside, doesn't matter. It's a go team because wherever you serve, you're fulfilling the command of Christ to go and make disciples. So be intentional about serving. Not just at church, but in all aspects of your life because we have to work and we have to go get groceries and we have to fulfill our other responsibilities. So look for ways while you're doing what you have to do anyway, look for ways to serve people and love people. Be intentional about how you treat people and about what you do. It's a kingdom opportunity all around us, but we need to do that at our church as well. Because here's the, here's the reality. I told you we we're going to be real today. The reality is our volunteers are exhausted. We have worn out the willing. And that is not okay. There's a line that I have to walk as, as a pastor 
that, that on the one hand gives people the opportunity to serve and to use their gifts and their focus and their passion for Christ. But on the other hand, may lean towards taking advantage of people in order to serve the needs of the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? True leadership is not about using people, it's about serving people. And I believe it's my role as shepherd to protect the flock, even if it means protecting them from themselves. So there are some people who are going to have to take some time off. We've got volunteers who, who serve five or six hours on Sunday. Five or six hours. Sometimes for weeks at a time because there's nobody else. And they're so passionate about serving, they're so committed to what they're doing that they're willing to do it. But that, that can only be sustained for so long. We've got staff members who go far and above their compensated hours. We can't continue to ask more of people who are already giving more than their share. You say, well, I come to church to relax and get a blessing. And that's the problem. It's backwards. You give what you can, and you'll get what you need. The reality is some of these ministries are not sustainable at the current rate. We have, we've never discussed it before as a leadership team, as a staff, as a council, but, but it is now a possibility that we'll have to go back to one service in order to lighten the load on those who serve. It's, it's a way to cut their service time or to cut their service frequency in half. It's not what we want, but it is something that we have to consider because we have to take care of people. So if we could just change our mindset we could just change our mindset about serving. If we could just recognize that giving of ourselves is not going to take anything away from us, it would allow us to expand the ministries so that we can fulfill the vision and the mission of the church. And, and, and this is how it's part of a crisis. So this is an uncomfortable question, but it one, it's one that's begging to be asked. How can we ever entertain the notion of serving and helping rescue trafficked women if we can't even staff our current ministries. Because we can get as excited as we want to get about having those women and children next door, but it's going to take a lot of stinking work. Amen. Everything of value does take a lot of stinking work. The question is, are we going to step up to the opportunity, or are we not? It's a crisis of opportunity. You say, well, John, you, you mean you're stressing out because we don't have enough volunteers? No, we don't need more volunteers. We need everyday missionaries on mission every day. That's what we need. People who are called, people who have had their mindset changed. Listen, serving is not an add-on for the super Christians. It's the expectation of Christ for every believer. You're to become more like Him, and you can't be more like Him if you don't serve. He said, I came to this earth not to be served, but to serve. He said, if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, then you have to become the least. You have to serve everybody. And He even, he even washed the disciples' feet. The God of the universe. I'm not going to pull out the foot washing stuff this morning. But what would happen if I did? If I, if I pulled out the foot washing stuff and I prayed before that happened, 
Most of y'all be gone before I said amen. Right? Y'all be sneaking and running out the doors. Jesus said that's what you do. Either literally or figuratively if you're going to be the greatest in my kingdom. So we have to change our mindset. We, we all have a mission and we have to find it. If we choose the cross road, everybody has to find a place to serve. So fortunately there's a tool or set of tools that we have that will help you do that. On our website we have access to a site called Assess Me. Assess Me. It gives people three tests to take. Personality test, a leadership style test, and a spiritual gifts test. You cannot fail the personality test. Okay? People are terrified to take one. There is no wrong personality. So you can take them risk-free. Everything's great. So the results are yours to keep. They're emailed to you. Um, but they become a part of a searchable database for us. And when you're ready to serve, then we go and read your profile, and we try to match you to the best fit for who God wired you to be. We, now, we had to pay for these, so please don't just go share the link on your Facebook page. All right? So uh, it, it's for people who consider Covenant Life to be their home. But this is, this is the next step in making sure you can join a GO team so we get you in the right place. Do you recognize that, that we were saved not to sit and soak and sour? We were saved to serve. We were, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, here I am quoting scripture, I told you I wasn't going to. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 said we were saved, we were, we were recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works that he had prepared us to do in the first place. He had a plan for us, he saved us for that purpose, and our gift back to him is to find that purpose and to get after it. Y'all understand, get after it, all right? That's what we have to do. Go to the website. If you don't know what it is, it's Covenant Life West GA or covenantlifebremen.org. At the top, there's an About Us. There's a little button at the bottom that says Resources, and it'll take you to the Assess Me login. So you just go in, create only create one account, please. If you've already taken one or two of the other of the tests, then go back into the same account and and take the test again. This is going to help us get people on the cross road, the road of service, the road of sacrifice, and fulfilling their kingdom purpose. So take the tests and join a go team that best fits who you are, your interests, your skills, your gifts, and the time that you have. And then here's one last area that will reflect this mindset of intentionality that we're going to have to develop if we're going to get on the crossroad. And that's this, find a grow group to be a part of. And we don't call them small groups because some of these discipleship groups are not small. So some of them are, some of them are not. You say, listen, I am spiritually mature. I don't need these groups to be, to, make, to, be, to, to be spiritually strong. And that might be true. But may I suggest to you a change of mindset? Let me ask you just one question. What if it's not about you? What if it's not about your needs? It might be that you hold the key to someone's breakthrough. It might be that you hold the key to somebody's deliverance. It might be that you are the answer to somebody's prayer. It might be that you have understanding that will be revelation to somebody else. We are called to make disciples. 
That's not just about being disciples. It's about doing something relationally and intentionally to make disciples. You cannot have discipleship without fellowship. You can't make disciples if you're never around people. You've got to be intentional about discipleship. It doesn't happen by accident. So we have grow groups for men and for women and for couples and for young adults. We have grow groups for every age that, that meet on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. We'd love to add other groups as well. We have a grow group that meets here in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights for adults. So we'd love to add more. So you can let me know. If Jordan uh, Weathers is still here, he's our grow group coordinator. You, you can let him know. You can sign up on a connection card. However you need to communicate with us. But we need, we have to have these groups. Read Acts chapter 2. It's the way they grew. The church was by getting together and, and making disciples. Making disciples. Alright? So here's what I need everybody to do. I know this has been a lot. This is what I need everybody to do. Be intentionally relational. All right? Change that, that mindset to a kingdom mindset. So do the two-minute drill. Take the assess me's and then join the go team. And then find a grow group to be a part of. Find a grow group to be a part of so we can help make disciples. And invite people to those groups. Invite people to those groups. In the Gospels, and it's in, it's in two or three of the Gospels, you remember the account, Peter and John, are, are, they caught so many fish they could barely get back to the shore. You remember that? And Jesus connected their profession to the work of the kingdom when he said, Peter, John, uh, Andrew, James, I'm making you guys fishers of men. So he connected those two concepts. But do, do you remember what Peter was doing when Jesus found him? What was he doing when he walked up? Peter wasn't fishing. Peter was on the shore repairing his nets. There were holes in his net, and Peter was fixing those holes. He had been out all night. He was tired. He had a hundred things he could have been doing otherwise, including going home and going to bed. But he was intentionally fixing his nets because he knew if he didn't, some of the fish would slip through the holes. That's what we're doing today. That's what I'm doing as the pastor of this church is challenging you to help me fix the nets intentionally. Because we're not dealing with fish. What we're doing is vastly more important than fishing. Every soul matters. Say, John, you, you, you're just trying to grow the church. I'm trying to make us better, not make us bigger. I'm trying to make us healthy. Now, healthy things grow, but the goal is not to be the biggest church in the world. The goal is to be the best we can possibly be with what God's blessed us with. We, we have to be good stewards of what God's blessed us with, and right now we're just not. Can I say it bluntly like that? We have fish slipping through the nets, and we gotta, we got to fix it. we got to fix it. Let me make this personal. You don't get too concerned about the fish slipping out the net until it's your fish. When it's your sons and daughters, when it's your friends and family who came looking for a real encounter with God and we messed it up and let them slip through, 
We're not going to get perfect. I'm not saying everybody walks in the door is supposed to be ours. But if we're not intentionally minding the nets, then we're not doing the right thing. And so today is just a challenge for you. Let's be kingdom-minded. Let's be intentional. Because two paths lay before us. Two roads. One is, is a, ray, a way of convenience and comfort. It's inwardly focused and it's self-centered. The other way is a way of sacrifice and service. It's, it's outwardly focused and it's others-centered. And it is the cross road. That's the cross that I'm choosing. That's the cross I'm choosing. That's the road I'm choosing. That's the direction that I have to lead this church because to the best of my understanding, I will stand before God face to face and I will give an account to how I led you to understand and put into practice this word. And to the best of my understanding, this is the road that we have to take. However, you stand before God as well. It's not that judgment, that appointment is not just for pastors. It's for you. And you have to walk in the light as the light has shined upon your path. And so today, I just want to ask you a question. Will you join me on the cross road? Will you join me on the cross road? I want everybody to stand. I'm not asking you to make a decision. I'm just asking everybody to stand together. For the last seven years, I have sort of beat this drum that discipleship's important, following Jesus is important, and it's more important than an emotional knee-jerk reaction in one service. So I refuse to manipulate you into making some sort of rash decision. We talked about on Wednesday night this past week, God, when you make, when you make vows and promises to God, He expects you to keep them. It's far too important for you to rush into anything. So here's what I'm saying. You may know it right now. You may, your, your spirit may be bearing witness with the word, and you may be ready to go, and that's awesome. You, but others of you may need to count the cost. You take as much time as you need. But I am challenging you to wrestle with this and make a decision. Okay? So whether you make it in this, in this service or next week or next month or next year, that's between you and your God. We're going to open this altar. They're going to sing in just a moment. They're going to sing one more worship song. I'm going to ask everybody to stay. Worship one more time together. We'll be dismissed together at the end of that song. If you want to pray about this or about anything going on in your life, whether it's a relationship problem, whether you have a, a physical need in your body, whether you have a financial issue, whatever it is, everybody's always welcome to come and pray about whatever you got. At the end of that, we'll be dismissed together. But in the next few moments, this is a sacred moment because I believe in three years we'll look back on this Sunday. I really do. I think, I, you know I'm not the dramatic type. I believe this is a watershed moment for our church and we'll look back on this day and say that's the day when we started on the road to the destiny God has for us. Let's pray. Father. 
We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.